Picks Mix is brought to you by the Aaron Metas Show, broadcasting on Liberated Syndication and on YouTube.com forward slash Aaron Metas Show, and is in association with the Old School Lane podcast. Picks Mix is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with the Aaron Metas Show. Welcome to Picks Mix with Aaron. And Patricia. Hey, Patricia, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, thanks. Yeah, I'm feeling rather super today. <laughs> yeah, I know. It could be for multiple reasons. Uh, at the time they're recording this, it's the weekend. Um, Black Panther is going to be coming out in theaters. Um, yeah, there's, uh, or maybe it could be uh, in junction to today's episode of Picks Mix. Mm hmm. Okay, and uh, just a bit of an announcement on regards to the schedule, because people are kind of like wondering when PixMix actually does come out. Well, originally we were supposed to be doing it every 10 days, but because of the scheduling issues and uh, because of other things that have happened uh, beyond our control, uh, basically it's just going to come out when it comes out. So uh, at the moment we've got yeah. one coming up uh, here, and then in the next couple of days, probably like two, three days later, we're probably going to have to do another one. So just to keep up with the schedule. Yeah, because... considering that, um, yeah, we're, we're getting really, really close to The Incredibles 2. And for those who actually watch the Olympics, which as of the time of this recording is um, just started about a few days ago, um, they're about to showcase some new footage this coming Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, going to be very exciting indeed. But uh, for the meantime, let's uh, stick with the uh, incredible, let's uh, stick with the uh, Pixar films that uh, are actually existing. And so uh, this one is a rather super one. And uh, so I think it's probably some people are teasing. I think probably some people are going to guess what it is. Yeah, exactly. So might as well just um, get started. It is The Incredibles, and may I say, this truly is an incredible film, Patricia. Oh yeah, I I absolutely love this film. It, it's definitely, at that point, the most unique Pixar movie out of the bunch. And an original concept, too. I mean, who would have thought about a family of superheroes? Have you ever seen that meme uh, during the time in which uh, the new Fantastic Four movie was coming out? Mm -hmm. And everybody hated it just as much as like the quote unquote original. And then they were saying like, guess what? There was a good Fantastic Four movie. It was called The Incredibles. Indeed. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, in a way it caught a lot of people by surprise because, and on top of that, the uh, the actual teaser that they actually did for it, I mean, uh, the, the way that they were framing the story, it looked like it was just going to be, because if you remember, uh, they did um, they did the whole, like, uh, you know, this the bit in uh, Bob's office where they show you, like, all the, uh, you know, the paraphernalia from, like, and all the uh, mementos from, like, his career, and then it shows, like, uh, the big uh, news splash saying that uh, Mr. Incredible retires, and... Uh, it looked like they were going to go on the story of, uh, you know, oh, it's a superhero who's just basically has been retired and then he's going to come back. And uh, which, you know, obviously in the story they went with uh, in the original, but it looked like if, if you do you think about it in the original in the original teaser that they brought out, don't you think it was actually going to be a quite a more a quite a different and maybe even more predictable movie than what we actually got? 
It could have been. For those who haven't seen the teaser yet, essentially, um, just like what Aaron said, it showcases Mr. Incredible's office about all the memorabilia with all the newspaper articles discussing about how great of a superhero Mr. Incredible was, announcing his retirement. And then uh, he receives a phone call saying that they need Mr. Incredible's help. And so he suits up. And then it turns out that uh, he is not in his prime, if you know what I'm saying. And so he's being called over to his wife, coming calling him to come down to dinner. And Mr. Incredible is struggling to get his belt on because he can't fit into it anymore. And yeah, I, I, I mean, when I first saw it, I thought it was, oh, it's going to be like really comedic. It's going to be like the tick or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I guess I would say like, um, yeah, oh, how fun would it have been if uh, the Mr. Incredible was the tech? Like, you know, uh, and it uh, was like that. But mind you, what we got was, uh, I thought was uh, was brilliant. So, I mean, it was... Yeah, yeah. I- I'm sure that if it would have been that case, um, you know, the tick, even though that a lot of people from our generation grew up with it and loved it, um, I'm sure for the younger generation, that would have been great as well. But I'm glad that it does have its own identity, especially get- during the case in which, like, roughly a few years later, we would have gotten the Fantastic Four movie. And I guess when looking back on it, uh, it just makes us appreciate all how The Incredibles was. And I remember that for the longest time, there were a lot of TV shows and cartoons that tried to be like The Incredibles. There was a lot of cartoons about, oh, there was this family of secret agents like Nickelodeon's The Exes. Oh, there's a family of... um, you know, superheroes, or there's this family that goes on a bunch of adventures. There seemed to be a lot more of that when The Incredibles came out. Yeah, and it also didn't help much that it did come out during the hype of superhero movies with Spider-Man and X-Men and um, and the likes. Yeah, but what made The Incredibles unique, in, in, at least in my opinion, was the fact that uh, they did go on the superhero family route. They did go the comedic route, and basically they gave us. Um, a a side of superheroes that we probably would never have seen in, say, like Spider Man or, or you know, like some of the other uh, superhero films that uh, would have come out because if they did go like uh, you know the the you know the stereotypical kind of like superhero movie kind of style with it, which I thought you know I kind of was a fear that I thought Pixar might do. Um, I think it probably wouldn't stand yeah. out the way that it actually does. And uh, to, so to to Pixar's credit, they realized the uh, you know, and to Brad Bird's credit, especially, they realized the situation that they were in, and they created something unique and uh, something different from what uh, the, the the things were. And I'll definitely say, say this: what uh, we did actually, yeah, as you said before, uh, we did get a good Fantastic Four movie, which is actually this movie. And I'll definitely tell you this: this movie takes a massive dump on Fan Stick, without a shadow of a doubt. This film. You know, is uh, is way and beyond uh, some of the other team hero movies. I guess we could say. You know, I guess we didn't really after the Incredibles. I, can we really say that we had a good uh, superhero team movie after that? If you think about it, because um, let, I mean, we, let's see. We, I mean, it wouldn't be until like at least a decade, because well, almost a decade, or maybe over a decade, because the Avengers would have came out, and then we had Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So um, I guess if you want to count the Justice League TV series, um, which I'm sure that would have been like around the time and Teen Titans as well, but they weren't a family. They were just separate superheroes and they were based off of their own individual comic books. They all came together, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, etc. 
Hmm. Teen Titans, the same thing uh, with Robin. And then he eventually joined up with the Titans as well. And um, let's see. And then, and then of course, the Avengers, uh, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man. They were all their separates. They were all separate. But the Incredibles, it was a group. It was a family that stuck together, just like the Fantastic Four. But in this case, it, it was like... A, it was like a, um, a kid version of it. It's like, oh, it's not going to be like incredibly violent or incredibly serious like the Fantastic Four as much as um, you want to debate on how serious it gets. But yeah, it was basically that for um, a new generation of kids. For those who were maybe a little too young to see X-Men or Spider-Man, then they could watch The Incredibles. I mean, I mean, at that point in time, Pixar had already been fully established as a, a company with great quality movies because um you know 2004 this would have been the height of pixar's and dreamworks's popularity sure dreamworks was also becoming really popular with um their 2d movies but they wouldn't get the height until shrek came along and this was when disney was pushed into the backside nobody cared about disney as much anymore pixar and dreamworks were in the height of their popularity and so Incredibles is one of those movies that a lot of people have been wanting for a very long time for a sequel. And it would be until almost 15 years later until we got one. And there's a reason why a lot of people wanted to see an incredible sequel because similar to Toy Story, it had a lot of possibilities. There was a lot of characters and the world was interesting to look at. It's a very interesting side into superheroes that we haven't really seen much before. Yeah, it baffled me massively why they did not immediately pounce on an incredible sequel. Like, as you know, like you you look at, I mean, we'll obviously go into the box office, I mean, at the end of the show, but uh, um, it just baffles me that they that no one sat there and thought, you know, we've done really well with The Incredibles. Like, why, uh, and you know, when they said that they did really well with Toy Story, immediately the one of the... Uh, yeah, one of the ideas they wanted to go for definitely was Toy Story 2. I mean, obviously it was a couple of years after the fact, but, uh, I mean, at least it wasn't to the stretch that we're now having with uh, The Incredibles jumping over to The Incredibles 2, where, you know, obviously you've got a massive, like, you know, a gap of more than a decade. So, like, you know, so it's just... It's, yeah, it, that it, is it, true. Yeah, but I, I would must really... we forget that the next movie that came after The Incredibles was Cars. Yep. And so I think we knew what the... Uh, the, the, the method of thinking of, of that was there. But anyway, we'll get to cars, I'm sure, eventually. But uh, uh, just to switch gears just for a second, because uh, before The Incredibles, before we get uh, further into that, there actually was a short. And the short was known as Bounding. And it was their 2013 uh, animated short that came before The Incredibles. And uh, so just to give a, a, a bit of a, a summary of the plot, uh, in the West uh, lives a lamb who uh, takes pride and joy in his wool. Uh, a man comes and shears the lamb, and the lamb becomes depressed. And it's up to Jackalope uh, to teach him to bounce from life's troubles. So uh, I thought this was a very good good musical. Uh, uh, beginning yeah, I, and, I thought uh, it was really good too. I'm not much of a Western fan, but I thought it was cute. I thought that it was a nice little lesson about even if you look different deep down, you're still the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, dare I say, like, uh, I mean, obviously, this is the only good Western, I think, uh, style uh, Pixar thing I think we've seen. I think obviously, the Good Dinosaur was not. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're never going to forget the good dinosaur, are we? It's like, you know, it's the thing that's I, I still... Don't know. I, I don't know why we're still talking about a fairly di- average, forgettable Pixar movie, and 
here we are. I don't know. Yeah, but so yeah. Um, not very forgettable, is yeah, it? Yeah, so. you have, uh, <laughs> basically, you have uh, a singing and you have narration by the guy who came up with the story and who created and animated. And uh, yeah, you have this lamb who's constantly like uh, bouncing around and everybody is like admiring his wool. And then one day, he he's the, the the wool is sheared off and he's really depressed and then this jackalope comes along and says hey don't worry you're eventually your wool will grow back but in the meantime just be happy being yourself and that's essentially what it is and it's it's very nice um it's not one of my favorite pixar shorts but i did find it to be really really enjoyable yeah it's kind of like a slight contrast to what we would see later on because you have this happy cheerful western short and then you have a movie about superheroes yeah do you think that's what made the shorts stand out do you think you know after we've been through quite a few shorts now and after we've noticed that so they are uh massively different to what basically precedes it like uh, i mean imagine if lifted came out before wally like you know the uh, yeah that, that would have been like yeah that would have been like really on the nose or if sanjay's super team would have been paired up with the incredibles yeah that would have probably like you know it's uh it's glad that they had a situation where um, the shorts were massively and radically different from the uh, from the themes of the big movies because yeah, if you had Sanjay Super Team before you had uh, the Incredibles, like you know, it, it would feel a bit like well, okay, we've seen one superhero related thing and now we're going right onto another superhero related thing. It's like you know, it's not. Um, I mean, it, it kind of um, get doesn't really put you in the right frame of mind. I think to kind of move on to uh, it, it kind of it kind of introduces a. Uh, something and then it introduces something different but in the same wavelength if that makes sense and it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel linear in a way but whether it's like sure. uh, yeah like uh, when you have um, a nice little story before you have something completely different it's like uh, it kind of gets you uh you can to like say hey i'm about to see a really good pixar film because look, look we got this little really good shot that's very original and is very well done and now we're going to move on to something now we're going to move on to the final presentation it's a nice way to start so uh, right 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 mm-hmm. okay so now to the plot uh the film is set in a 60-esque alternate universe where superheroes known as publicly as supers uh, are renowned and commended for their heroic deeds worldwide uh, allowing them the luxuries in the golden age uh, one in particular superhero who truly lives to this age is the super strong mr incredible uh in- engaged in a de- dexterous uh, engaged to the uh, dexterous elastigirl and the best friend of a uh, who is a cryogenetic uh frozone so uh it's interesting, Frozone, because, uh, you know, after, um, you know, when uh, Frozone was introduced and then we got uh, Elsa from Frozen. It's like, you know, uh, the first thing yeah, they get to... And, yeah. and not to mention that um, Frozone is voiced by Samuel L. Jackson and then eventually he would be, um, um, you know, uh, being in the Avengers and all the other Marvel movies. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's, uh, it feels so weird how they all kind of like, you know, come together in a way and like it all comes full circle. So it's... Uh, it's uh, very, very strange in that way, but uh, um, Mr. Incredible, uh, a great introduction, I think. You know, where he's uh, you know living the uh, living the higher life. You know, he's this uh, very popular superhero. Everyone loves him, and uh, then we're introduced to uh, Elastigirl, who he's engaged with. And uh, the great thing about the beginning is, is that you get to see the um, the, the the conflict between uh, Bob Parr, uh, his uh, secret identity. And the um, you know, you get to see you know Mister Incredible. So it's like uh, they're like they're the same person, but they're basically they're two different 
interactions, if you will. So he's, um, you know, and you get to see the kind of two kind of conflict with each other because you've got, uh, when it comes to the part where, uh, you know, Mr. Incredible is going off to the wedding, you know, to go marry, uh, you know, uh, uh, Elastigirl, uh, you notice that so he doesn't really have time to kind of deal with stuff. Uh, at that point and so you get to see kind of like a conflict between the two worlds that Mr. Incredible and Bob Pop kind of like you know uh, accumulate if you will so yeah uh, not to mention that when we first get introduced to all of these superheroes when they're being interviewed um, it seems like there's a bit of an opposite reaction in which uh, Mr. Incredible talks about that he you know wants to settle down and have a family and Elastigirl saying like what leave the superheroing to the men no we gotta rock girls need to rock out so it's kind of hilarious and ironic about how the roles will be reversed mm -hmm. as soon as the they get married and they have kids and um, you know, 15 years pass, but the reason why they're no longer uh, superheroes is because of a lot of the damage and uh, people are suing the superheroes, uh, saying that they don't want to be saved anymore and that they're causing a lot more trouble than it's worth, and so a lot of them have to go into hiding. Yeah, I liked Helen's um, introduction, if you will, like uh, Elastigirl, because you know, if you remember, when she said, uh, you know, leave the superheroes to the men, I don't think so, but then she softly kind of says, I don't think so, and like, and you kind of get to see at the very beginning there's kind of like you know a conflicting character in uh, in Helen because there is a uh, part of her who feels adventurous and feels like there needs to be this kind of like a front seat that she has to be Elastigirl and but then you know kind of like behind the scenes she's kind of feels she is kind of like you know uh, a bit more homely if you will so like she's more uh, yeah, she's, yeah right. she's more she's more uh, kind of like uh, settled down and so uh, that's you know, and obviously uh, you know obviously with the news that uh, you know the Incredibles two is going to be based around uh, Helen you know I think is uh, that's going to be and it's playing uh, hopefully they do play off against that that ca that character conflict because that's going to be really cool if they do so uh, um so uh, we get yeah, to, we get to we get to introduce to our what will be our villain uh, which is uh, Buddy Pine and uh, who uh, at the time considers himself Incrediboy uh, he's uh, Mister Incredible sidekick and uh, so. Uh, Mr. Incredible wants something yeah, to do with he's him. Essentially, yeah, he essentially doesn't have superpowers, and he wants to use technology so he can be able to help out Mr. Incredible, but Mr. Incredible sees that he's just some annoying fanboy who's in the way, and uh, he's trying to capture this villain who's in this office building and trying to rob it. And um, along the way, um, you know, Incrediboy or B Buddy or, whatever, you know, basically um, the younger version of the main villain that we'll be talking about a little later, he tries out his new invention. It backfires. Both Mr. Incredible and Buddy kind of like fly off and the villain gets away. And, um, you know, the, the police are asking like, you know, where's the bad guy? Why didn't you catch him? And then Mr. Incredible gets embarrassed and he tells Buddy to go home. And Buddy is very upset and he feels very um, disappointed that not only did he not help Mr. Incredible catch the bad guy, but that essentially that the person that he idolizes so much is telling him to go away that he wants nothing to do with him. Isn't that brilliant though? Because I mean, how easy would it have been to basically just have uh, you know uh, Buddy, who then later becomes Syndrome? Uh, how 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 um, how easy would it have been basically just to say I'm Syndrome, I'm the bad guy, and I'm going to basically cause mayhem for uh, you know unexplained reasons, and Mister Incredible's going to stop me? 
Like, you know, it's like, uh, it would have been easier yeah, just to this do is, that. Uh, yeah, this is basically a right version of Electro from The Amazing Spider-Man 2, in which, oh, he was incredibly obsessed with Spider-Man. He was a fanboy. And then something happened involving with Spider-Man, and then he turns into Electro, and now he wants revenge on him. Mm-hmm. And because, uh, uh, I mean, also on top of that, I mean, they could have gone the route of like, uh, yeah, Buddy was a uh, techno geek, and he went too far and blew himself up with one of the experiments, and then all of a sudden he became the evil syndrome i mean they could have uh, gone in that uh, stereotypical direction as well but yeah this is great set up for a villain because uh, you know mr incredible has had a uh, you know an imp has has uh, basically touched this pr- touched this person and uh, in the uh, and has created the basically has created what what is there and uh, i don't know like, i wouldn't say he i don't know maybe creating him is probably the wrong word i would say he had a uh, a, a a play in what uh, what transpired next and like so you know if it wasn't the fact that he dismissed buddy right off the likelihood is that he probably wouldn't be ending up uh, regretting uh, you know you know being spiteful against mr incredible and all this probably wouldn't have happened you know, so uh, he was the cause in that way, and uh, and played a part in how things transpired for later in the film. So uh, yeah, so that incident takes place, and then uh, we get the, uh, the the headline that Mr. Incredible is going to be sued by uh, all the craziness that happened with uh, Buddy and uh, Bon Voyage and uh, the whole scene that took place there. And uh, I thought this was a very interesting way to go to basically get the supers to stop being super. I thought, you know, because they, they are now, and it comes to the point where, uh, you know, back in those days, you know, in the in the 60s and in the 70s, uh, you know, health and safety was never talked about. You know, like, you know, and, uh, you know, the the idea of, like, no win, no fee lawyers, like, you know, so how easy it is to make, you know, it's basically, you know, the, before the term sue the bastards was used and so mm-hmm. uh you know it's a nice um jab into that like you know what would happen if superheroes you know did do something wrong like uh you know um i think they played that out also in the uh in the avengers as well didn't they because uh, you know they didn't you know you see all this action and all this you know all these buildings blowing up and stuff like that but they never showed you like uh you know what the aftermath of all of that was and, uh, you yeah, know, they what, also what? played that in um, in Man of Steel, the whole controversy of Superman was causing more damage than he was doing good. And and I think that even followed up in Batman versus Superman. There is also that example. We could also talk about the example about Batman not killing the villains instead of just throwing them over to um, Arkham Asylum. And then they would escape and then they would cause more trouble. So, yeah, essentially, depending on the, um, the case... Superheroes, especially how strong they hold their justice and um, this, you know, basically what the bad guys would be doing in cause of destruction. Yeah, the superheroes would be causing just as much, maybe slightly even more than the bad guys. And yeah, I mean, it's it definitely is very interesting that Brad Bird was able to bring up the flaws in which sometimes if there's a lot of destruction then the people are not going to be happy about it. It's not like we're going to have a montage of people cleaning up after the disaster. Yes, the people are going to get sued. Yes, millions of dollars are going to be thrown into fixing everything and getting back to normal. Yes, people are going to get injured, maybe killed. So I'm glad that they were able to bring this up. And yeah, it, it sometimes can't be helped because 
you know, Mr. Incredible is a very strong guy. And, you know, even though he tries to save people, like that scene in which he's trying to stop the train, there's some people who got injured from the train. Uh, you know, some we saw a guy with a neck brace, um, you know, some people having like um, slings and um, they're not really happy about the, the, the train um, accident. And then we have a guy who tries to commit suicide and then he sues um, Mr. Incredible because you know, he didn't want to be rescued. He wanted to die, essentially. And then Mr. Incredible was being uh, angry and saying, like, hey, I saved your life. And then the press was being all over. And then it just caused this big disaster involving with the supers having to go into hiding and they can no longer save people. There, there's something that kind of bothers me about that, because, like, you know, instead of, like, suing uh, the, 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 you know, like, why, why did he just go, you know, wait till Mr. Incredible went away and then go find another giant building to go jump off? Like, you know, if you think about it, like, you know, why? It's like the cliche with superheroes, you know? It's like, oh, um, I hear trouble with my super hearing. Oh, my spider sense is tingling. Essentially, like, superheroes, they have this um, intuition. They have a super ability that they can sense danger. And then they go right away. It, it didn't matter if you, the guy was going to jump over another building or jump off a bridge. I'm sure that Mr. Incredible, if he was walking around town and he would have seen that, or maybe he was, um, worded by another superhero saying, Hey, this guy is about to jump off a building. He's probably going to fall. I, I can't save him with my superpowers. Can you, maybe you can help me out. Yeah. So maybe he was trying to, you know, help with the cause. No, no, no. It just, it just sounds a bit strange to me, really. But so, uh, you know, uh, sure, fair enough. Yeah, mind you, it is a, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so um, actually, I had other two other thoughts on this as well. Like, uh, you know, imagining Godzilla. Like, uh, you know, where they did, you know, has there ever been a Godzilla film where they actually showed like they had like a second film where they showed the aftermath of like Godzilla destroying the city. You know, like, you know, so he's saying, like, you know, oh, hey, mm -hmm. you know, we're having a debate now over whether God, what Godzilla did was actually a good thing by, you know, defeating this other monster. Like, you know, he's he's trampled half the city. He's destroyed pretty much everything. Like, you know, was it was it a worthy wild cause when you think about it? Like, I, I would like to see that would be a guy. A I don't know. Maybe the Godzilla movie actually does exist, but I would actually like to see a Godzilla movie where, you know, people are like debating whether Godzilla is actually a force for good if he keeps destroying stuff. So uh, mm. that's something I'd like to see. And then the, there's a second thought I had as well, but uh, I think that's... Uh, um, oh, yeah, on top of that as well, if the way that they set up the Incredibles universe, apparently all supers before they went into hiding were all regulated by the government. So uh, I guess yeah. they're going on the... Uh, so basically, if Captain America Civil War happened in the same universe as the Incredibles, they'd all be on Iron Man's side, if you think about it, because they're all... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because they're all government regulated. Because, you know, it's a Disney property, right. Yeah, so uh, because uh, they said, "Oh well, we're all we're all you know uh, uh, you know uh, you know uh, given consent for the government to regulate us, and we're all looked after by these uh, by the government." So you know, obviously, we're going to side with Mister Incredible against Captain America, you know, in uh, in that in that regard. So uh, yeah, that's uh, so. Yeah, maybe Captain America could have used the help. I think, but uh, sorry, no, I mean uh, Iron Man could <laughs> Iron Man could have used the help. Right. Anyway, um, so. Um, uh, 15 years later in the, in the incredible story, uh, we've, uh, Bob Parr and Helen Parr now are living normal lives. They have, uh, three children, uh, which is, uh, Dash, uh, Jack-Jack and, uh, Violet as well. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah, so they're basically just living a normal family life. And, uh, the great thing about this was that, uh, do you know in the first 
part of the film where, you know, the first segment of the film where they show you everything that happened in the 60s. Uh, where it's all bright and it's all colorful and it's all adventurous and everything like that. And then the minute they get to uh, 15 years later, it's gray. It look, you know, it's uh, all the color is gone. It's like, uh, you know, the uh, it's really pale looking if you think about it. So they uh, not only did they get the, uh, the the music right, the sounds right, the uh, the acting right, the uh, even the way that even the presentation of how they animated it and how they colored it was even right. You know, so it's like you know you see yes, both, 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 both the contrasts, and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, it's definitely a great comparison. You have Mr. Parr sitting on a desk and he's listening to an old woman talking about how she's being um, denied insurance and she's begging for help. And everything around is like all grays and whites. And you can see the look on his face. It's just really, really depressing and just wishing for the good old days. And mm. um, we even see... Um, it, we, we, when we see the boss's office, when he's called in after helping give the woman insurance again, um, you can see the angles of the the, soup, the the boss with his really unique style nose and the way that his pencils are like perfectly lined up, the desk, the, the wallpaper, everything, it just looks so bleak. And it's definitely a wonderful contrast to the lightly colored and action-packed moments from the first couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's... um... I love how um, they basically put uh, Mr. Incredible in the situation of like, he's in this situation and there's nothing he can do, really he can do about it within the confines of what he finds himself in. And, uh, you know, so you have the boss in there and uh, he basically controls the show. And uh, in a way, he is a supervillain. If you think about it, like, you know, he's uh, he runs this massive company. He's uh, denying people insurance. He's, um, you know, he's he's putting so much bureaucracy in the way to uh, basically, you know, every time they have like a, an accident or have like a you know house burns down or something like that, they, you know, they can't do anything about it. And here's Mr. Incredible pretty much doing everything he possibly can to help these people, even when their company, even when like, uh, you know, the, the, the whole infrastructure won't. So even then, he's still being a superhero. Uh, in uh, in yes, uh, yes. in in so it's uh, I like I liked how that happened as well. So uh, yes, absolutely, it's it's great. And also another thing that um, we even talked about the music just a minute ago. This is the debut of Michael Gacchino, um, Giacchino. I'm sorry. Where we talked about in the the previous episode where we were talking about um, what you call it. Um, Let's see. What was the, the the music of the? Oh yeah, Coco. Yeah, well, he did the music for Coco and Ratatouille. So mm-hmm. this was actually his first debut into Pixar doing the music. Yeah, and what a debut it was. So uh, we was played it at the beginning yeah. of the show. And um, one other thing I actually wanted to uh, to note on as well that uh, when uh, the the kids originally uh, in in the original pitch uh, really weren't supposed to be there, if you think about it, because in the in the original pitch. Uh, actually, Syndrome was actually supposed to be announced like you know at, uh, near to the beginning of the movie, uh, because uh, the the way that they originally pitched it out was that uh, they're actually going to start with Bob and and Helen as you know uh, this new upstart family, and uh, so you didn't know anything about their uh, their superhero ness until like later on in the film, and then the only way you'd find more about it is when uh, Syndrome breaks into the house and starts smashing the place up. 
And uh, and then at the yeah, time, um, uh, you know, uh, Violet Dash and Jack Jack weren't really supposed to be there because uh, in the original pitch, the it was illegal at the time when they were in hiding to for them to basically pro- pro- procreate. You know, so uh, this so this sure. was a this was a change from the original pitch. So they had the the kids, and uh, I tell you what, it was a good change. You know, uh, to, to, yeah, to you know, some people may even argue that um, that you know some of the family members weren't given enough screen time. I, I think we even talked about this with Ratatouille, in which like there uh, there wasn't enough time spent on like um, the lady chef voiced by Jeannie Garofalo. Oh, uh, but um, yeah, 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 right. So um, I would think that it does make a lot of sense because in the teaser trailer, we didn't even see the kids at all. We just heard Mr. Incredible and his wife, and that was it. Most likely the kids weren't even written during that time. And so maybe when Brad Bird, he decided to like maybe uh, rewrite um, Dash, Violet, and Jack-Jack into the movie. Mm-hmm. That make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think I think the kids have a lot of potential. I think when also when we come into uh, the second film, and hopefully, I know the the uh, the second film is going to be mostly around around uh, around Helen. But uh, I really hope Violet Dash and uh, Jack Jack also get some kind of uh, you know uh, uh, screen time as well for uh, to develop themselves. Because I mean, who Violet... knows? Maybe maybe later on, if The Incredibles two does really really well, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there was like more movies focusing on the other characters. <laughs> and uh, this is a popular thing amongst Incredibles fan fiction, but uh, they like the idea that uh, Violet and Syndrome got together. Which I what? thought, yeah, that's really strange to me. That uh, there's so uh, there's a fan character right now called Sinlet, who basically so Violet basically turns on the on the Incredibles and basically teams up with 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 Syndrome, who's miraculously survived. That doesn't death. make any sense. I know it I doesn't. I mean, what? Uh, I mean, sure. If if Violet maybe was feel, I mean, sure. Maybe if Violet in the beginning of the movie was feeling ostracized with her family because she didn't like having superpowers. Because she felt like she was weird and that she was awkward and shy and she couldn't talk to the guy in school. So maybe if on paper it would be an interesting idea. Like, you know, you have Syndrome who never had superpowers and yet he wanted to be a superhero and then you had violet who has superpowers but doesn't want them she wants to be feeling normal it sounds like hercules in a sense in which you when he was a teenager and he was awkward and clumsy he caused a lot of damage so i mean maybe if buddy was a little bit younger like maybe towards violet's age maybe that would make a little bit more sense that maybe she would go to him for help if she maybe if like there was something going on that she wanted to leave her family but as it is that doesn't really make any sense yeah i know i think it's because well i mean obviously in the in the in this in this in the current you know canon obviously that doesn't make any sense but i think they talk about when violet gets older and you know she's uh, like you know when she's like you know maybe like in 19 20 years or something like that so I know even then sure. it doesn't make much sense, but uh, still, it's like it's uh, yeah. Apparently, that's a big thing in uh, in there. So uh, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? You do you. That's what I say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we shouldn't really, you know, obviously, you know, people say I don't really like to criticize fan fiction, so I just let it go wherever it wants. So uh, that that that's sure. That's a disclaimer there. Um, so, I'm not I'm, I'm not a judge of fan fic, yeah. so you know, it, it just do what you want to do. <laughs> Okay, so like their parents, uh, Violet and Dash have their own powers. Uh, Violet can turn invisible and uh, create force fields, and uh, Dash can uh, run at breakneck speeds. So uh, I mean, I like how their 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 characters match their powers. So Violet is um, you know 
is is invisible to like you know uh, you know her, yeah, her, her, she's her invisible. Surroundings. She can create force fields, and Dash is essentially a child version of the Flash, not to be confused with Kid Flash. Yeah, but he's like he's like your and Jack Jack is a uh, go ahead. Yeah, but it's a bit. You know, Dash is um like like your typical like riddling kid, like I remember being talked about by in the. Uh, in the Incredibles documentary, so he's like he's uh, you know, very hyperactive. You know, he's uh, very hard to keep. You know, keep very hard to uh, keep attention. And you notice that because uh, he uh, does all these pranks with the uh, with the uh, with the teacher in uh, in in the opening. You know, when he's because he gets sent to the principal's office. So uh, for for that, so uh, you know they they really play that out with him. And uh, Jack Jack's basically just Jack, he, he, he it's in his name Jack of all trades. So you know he like, he can he's he's like he's this this little kid of like full potential. No one knows what he can do yet. So, uh, right, uh, right. yeah, that's the reason why he does all the powers that he does. And, uh, but I like Violet, how her, her powers basically reflect her personality, at least in the beginning anyway. And, uh, then, uh, you know, I mean, we'll talk about a bit later about what's, what's her, her character development is, but, uh, still. So Bob's, uh, frustrated. He's overweight. He's, uh, got this really crappy job and, uh, then he ends up losing it because, uh, he finally yeah, gets... Yeah, exactly. He loses it because he sees um, um, he sees a person getting mugged and he wants to rush over and help them. And his boss is telling him, no, you are going to stay right here and you are not going to leave this office. But he wants to. But unfortunately, he can't because if he doesn't, uh, if, you know, if he leaves then he's going to get fired. But then the person ends up getting mugged and then he gets so upset that he actually throws something. And, you know, he starts destroying a whole bunch of things and he gets fired right off the spot. And Mr. Incredible is pretty much just at his lowest point and he just wishes for the good old days when he was a superhero. Yeah. And uh, I like, uh, I mean, Rick Dicker then comes in and uh, he's he's sort of, I don't know how to feel about Rick Dicker because he kind of feels like he's there for plot convenience. In a way, because if you think about it, like, you know, he's like saying, you know, oh, I have to erase memories and like, I'm the guy who uh, like uh, make sure that I clean up and everything like that. And I relocate people and stuff like that. And uh, I mean, you don't really know I mean, too much. Of I mean, sure, maybe it is for plot convenience, but it does kind of open up the world and the fact that, OK, these supers are in hiding. We need to understand about, you know, the process of how it happens. You know, their their names are changed. They're moved over to different locations and they can't reveal on who they are and what kind of abilities that they have. Otherwise, they'll get into severe trouble with the government. Yeah. And but- so, yes, it is maybe for plot convenience, but at least it gives us a little bit more understanding about how the supers world works. Yeah. But I would have liked to have known a bit more about him, if you know. And like, yeah, I do get he's supposed to be kind of like, you know, he's part of like the Secret Service. So maybe like that's part of his aura. Like you're not really supposed to know too much about him, but it would have been nice. Exactly. If... I kind of think of him like the the guy from Lilo and Stitch, who uh, you know is there for like child support, who's you know um, visiting Lilo and Nani, and how um, you know their situation is at, and if Lilo needs to be moved over to a different family if Nani is not able to take care of her. So I mean, he didn't really have a backstory either. He was just filling out that purpose. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it would have been nice to see a bit more about kind of out more of his i know we it probably would have been cut for time if they'd even even got to that point but uh yeah it would have been nice to see here a bit, bit bit more about how, how he got involved and uh, i know there's like there's extras and like you know in the special edition dvd where uh they he like you can see he like listens to like recordings of like uh, them talking to like you know uh superheroes and like how they're uh, like all related and stuff so uh i mean they they get they get more but you know if we're only t- if we're talking about rick rick dicker in the context of the movie he doesn't really get that much development 
uh, in this. No, he so, doesn't. No. But then again, it, it, if we would have given him more development, I'm sure it would have taken a lot from the other characters who deserve development. Mm-hmm. So he's now in the situation where he's unemployed, and uh, he said refused. To, he basically said he's basically it's a ridiculous look. I'll figure this out all on my own. And uh, then he uh, he gets a uh, he ends up with a mysterious letter from uh, someone called Mirage. And uh, this uh, you know Mirage is actually quite interesting. Actually, I I I do like Mirage, and uh, though there are some people who don't, and uh, but. Uh, I yeah, do. yeah, that's fair enough. She's not going to be in the second movie. I, I guess it makes a lot of sense, partly because the a voice actress behind her passed away a few years ago. Yeah, that's a shame. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing I would have liked to have seen with Mirage, and that is that uh, if they did, like, an Incredibles TV series, like, uh, I would have liked to have uh, who, who, to have been, like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, you know, the person who, like, you know, is, like, in, like, in a control room or, like, at the headquarters and, like, she's, like, feeding information to the Incredibles. And she says, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, oh, if you want to defeat this guy, you've got to do this. And, like, uh, oh, you want to get over there pretty quickly. And, like, you know, uh, be that uh, kind of like, uh, oh, who's uh, like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Centurions. And, uh, like, uh, so they Centur- like, Oh, my God. I haven't yeah. heard of that show in years. Yeah. My God. Man and Machine Power Extreme. And uh, she's like, uh, I've forgotten the name of the, uh, the, the woman in there, but kind of like her in a way. And, like, you know, she basically, yeah, she's, yeah. she's directing operations. In that way, and uh, yeah, that w- from Sky Vault, and uh, that would that would have been pretty cool if she did yes. that. So, but uh, hey, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, Mirage offers uh, Mr. Incredible a job, uh, going back to being in the good old days, and uh, it uh, results in uh, Bob basically putting back on the old Mr. Incredible suit. And uh, I love how they've done it where he's so overweight, he barely fits his suit anymore. And like, and you can see just the yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Up. I think even yeah. in the DVD, um, where they list off like the title um, for each of the DVDs, you know, like chapter one is this title, chapter two is this title. I think um, if you want to know how um, much weight he's gained uh, on the DVD chapter, it says fifteen years and sixty pounds later. <laughs> oh my goodness! And also on top of that as well, uh, you, you know, in like the modeling phase, the you know they had to um, they, they, because there's so many like uh, characters actually in the Incredible movie. The, the 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 reason why the Incredibles to me is so huge is just the amount of characters they had to design. They had to basically create uh, somebody called uh, Universal Man. You know, like like this one <laughs> this one <laughs> Insert man. Insert they might be giants song here yeah um a particle man yeah so (laughs) the universe man yeah universe man does okay (laughs) so they had to create a model called universal man and basically they uh they had to like just randomly create like different characters out of like this model called universal man and so that's the reason why you see so many different variations of characters and it's all the same person like they based it on the on the same model, and uh, but yeah. with with Mister Incredible and with all the other characters, they had so many uh, challenges to come across, including even putting sixty pounds on Mister Incredible because he's actually a completely different model from the other model that that was there because he's got so yeah much exactly other because uh, he's a lot more nimble and um, you know he has like a smaller chin and his. Um, like his waist and his legs and um, his arms are a lot more nimble and they have like developed um, muscle tone. And then when you look in the very first scene at the office, you can tell that his, his face has gotten bigger. Like he has a much bigger chest. His arms are a lot more bulkier. So they had to do a lot more model, um, you know, design for 
each of the characters and how much they've aged. Another thing that we neglected to, to discuss about is that this is the very first Pixar movie that had humans as the main characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can tell how much you know challenge they had in doing that because you know you had uh, you, you, it was shifting in time from different time periods, and on top of that, you had uh, and in order to make it more believable, so you had to create I think probably like uh, three different models of Mister Incredible. If you think about it, so you had to have him when he was in his youth. You had to have him when he was uh, when he was obviously fat and overweight and miserable. And then you had him basically go through his uh, uh, his basically his um, re- redemption, if you will, of like him getting in shape and then basically building him on that. So uh, there was a lot of technical challenges, and uh, so you can kind of understand why um, even in this, like uh, that's basically what makes the whole thing even more epic. Because not only did they do human characters, but they had to do human characters who went through several stages of evolution you know character wise and physical and you know physical wise so yeah exactly and this was and and, and it makes a lot of sense too because um i'm because uh with humans they have uh they change they they look different as the years pass toys wouldn't be that case neither would bugs and um, let's see, Monsters Inc. I'm sure they would have been roughly the same. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about Monsters University another time. Um, Toy Story Two, same thing. Uh, Finding Nemo, uh, yeah, fish. Uh, they would change relatively in size, but not by much. Humans are a much more complex um, way of showing how much time has changed and how much a body or um, or like personalities have changed over time. And with the, with this movie being Brad Bird's very first movie done in CGI, and especially since he had just come out of a huge critical, um, not critical, a financial flop with the Iron Giant, um, I'm sure that um, you know him having to um, try to do a movie for Pixar after dealing with a big financial failure and essentially being partly responsible for you know the, the shutdown of Warner Brothers Animation Studio studio i'm sure that this probably wasn't easy for him i'm sure that maybe the incredibles in a sense was kind of like his own therapeutic way of rising from the bottom and getting to the top similar to mr incredible yeah you know after you see the iron giant you know like years after that happened it's like you know you you do feel bad because it's like you know it is actually in fact i I highly recommend that you check out this amazing um like oral history of the iron giant um i'm sure that maybe um, I'll give a link into the description box below, or maybe I can tweet it or something. But like, it was like uh, was written like a almost like the 15 year anniversary of the Iron Giant or something, or maybe when it was coming out on Blu-ray or when it was being released on theaters or something. But yeah, really interesting oral history with uh, Brad Bird and a lot of the animators and uh, the storyboard artists and directors discussing about the makings of the Iron Giant, the the financial failure of the movie, and then. Uh, noticing that um, the movie's uh, reputation has grown over the years and became like dubbed as one of the best animated movies ever made. And go see the Iron Giant as well, because you know it's like it maybe a bit too late to save Warner Brothers Animation Studio, but you can still go see it was still made, so you know it's still out there somewhere. Um, yes. Let's talk about. I mean the the Omni Droid Eight. And, uh, I mean, that, I guess you could say, was kind of like the, uh, I guess, a side villain of the film. Because, uh, you know, as um, the Omnidroid war evolved um, through its creation, it kind of g- gathered a character of its own, if you think. 
because uh, you know it's uh, it was obviously AI. It was like a learning robot. So in a way, you know, the Omni Droid wasn't just a um, wasn't just a, a machine. In a way, it was kind of a character of its own. In a way, because it was just so ma- it looked, it was yes, so menacing. Yes, absolutely. It, yeah. I mean, for for a while, we thought that that was the main villain. We thought that um, because Mirage was talking about that there was this machine that was constantly learning every time that a superhero fights it, and nobody can be able to defeat it. Um, we thought that that was going to be like the main villain. It's like who is responsible for um, the creation of this robot? But um, you know, we have this amazing fight scene with. Um, the 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 robot and Mr. Incredible when they uh, head over to like the volcano and we see the um, and Mr. Incredible that... throwing out his back. Yeah, he broke out his back, <laughs> and... <laughs> and he's trying to like you know get himself back up. And then the the robot is like pulling on him, and then the, eventually like it undoes his back, and then he fights it and he destroys it and throws it into the lava, thinking that it's over, but it's far from it because. Somebody is watching in the background and is really impressed with Mister Incredible's fighting. Yeah, this is a this is Who a thing. Be? Yeah, I, the the one thing I want to say about Mister Incredible in that fight scene is that I'm very glad that they showed that he could get injured and that he can get hurt because I mean because in the beginning they kind of made him look like he was just basically indestructible and he was kind of like you know a lot like Superman and uh, dare I say yeah I think, exactly. I'm glad they didn't. I mean, I mean, I know uh, you know, with, you know, with Elsa, that you know, like they made her like a power kind of like uh, you know uh, unpredictable with like a, with a with a like frozen with like you know her ice powers. I'm really glad that they showed vulnerabilities to Mister Incredible because uh, I kind of thinking they probably would have uh, ended up kind of like having the same reputation in a way of like you know, oh, you know, he's Mister Incredible. He he can't get hurt. Like you know, it's like you know, what were we worried right, about all right. this time? And you know what, I mean, we can debate for a long time about Superman because a lot of people feel that Superman doesn't belong in our time, um, you know, where he's like practically indestructible and nothing can hurt him. Um, If you want to do something similar but done right, Saitama from One Punch Man is a great example. He's practically indestructible, but he has so many flaws to the character that that's what makes him really interesting. Mm -hmm. So you can be able to pull off... Um, vulnerability, whether it be like, oh, you're not perfect, but you're a superhero, in a good sense. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, what was your opinion on Hancock? You know that Will Smith film, where like you know he was a superhero. Oh, but oh he was yeah. A, he was oh my god. I, I remember when I first heard about that movie, and everybody was talking about it, but then eventually it just kind of like came and went really quickly. Yeah. I, I think that they were. I think they were trying to do something similar to The Incredibles, in which. You know, it's a world based off of superheroes, but in this case, superheroes are, um, you know, they're kind of like really, really rare. And, you know, Hancock is like acting like this complete jerk who has these powers, but is like really um, selfish. And yeah, um, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I kind of understand where they were going with the concept. But I just felt like the the execution was hit and miss at points yeah i think um i just don't think there's another film that sort of kind of came into my uh came in, you know 
you know, Stunts, Stunts came and went as well. I mean, I guess Fantastic <laughs> oh, like, Four would also be another example because yeah. um, the Fantastic Four movies came out like a few years after The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was supposed to be like, oh, the Fantastic Four is back. Uh, you know, because the last time that we saw the Fantastic Four in any way was the 90s animated series, but that was completely overshadowed with the likes of Batman, X-Men, Superman, a whole bunch of others. So, yeah, even the Fantastic Four movies didn't exactly work out very well in that sense. And um, let me see if I can think of anything else. Oh, um, what was it? Like um, Watcher or uh, Looker or something like that? You know, that movie yeah. with Angelina Jolie and they have like Matrix-like powers in which they could be able to like, you know, dodge or shoot things really well. That, that Basically movie, Matrix. That also <laughs> came and went really quickly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, going back to um, uh, we've got massively over track. I've just realized. Um, so we yeah, got, yeah, we yeah. Have... I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> you know, when, when you're, yeah, when you're a... going through the you know a topic like this, I mean, it's really hard to like stay on track. And also, uh, I, I, I don't. Uh, a lot of people are going to mention this in the comments. Chronicle. That's yeah, another example. So, okay, we're done. Yeah. So, we have the Omnidroid fight, and uh, do you think do you think Syndrome... I mean, obviously, we don't know it's Syndrome. We just know him as, like, you know, the, the mysterious, you know, guy. But do you think do you think he was introduced in that silhouette a bit, a bit too soon? I mean, would it have better if he just kind of kept his anonymity, you know, throughout that? And he yeah, didn't, he didn't I, really I definitely do him. agree. It would have been nice if maybe we would have... Um, known about him a little bit later throughout the movie. I mean, it, it, at first it seemed that way because, um, you know, Mr. Incredible and Mirage are having a nice dinner together. And then she says, oh, you know, my um, my boss is unable to show up. He's really busy with stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like, much later on, we have the robot coming back and he's, like, incredibly indestructible like mr incredible can't fight him and maybe we would have been introduced to syndrome a little bit later like maybe he would have um yeah. like fought him I mean, personally having, having or... him, the, the one thing that annoyed me is that when he talked because uh, when, when he said like oh he's very impressive it's like oh he's 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 like the the the, the buddy uh sidekick and like he's come back as like the uh as the villain not to say that uh you know obviously we saw the adverts and everything like all the commercials and that for it and we already know who syndrome was before walking in but it would have been nice if they basically had him only like in silhouette and didn't have him talk yet because you could still not kind of guess that he was like he was buddy from like you know in the beginning of the film and then uh, they could have like just announced when the omnidroid attacked mr incredible again and nearly killed him they then they could have brought in syndrome and uh, or maybe like when he was way, trying right? to do research on the um on the robot and maybe like looking through the blueprints like he did in the beginning of the movie like maybe like if he was to look to see who was behind it all and then it shows syndrome for the very first time and maybe he came like right behind him and then you find out who syndrome was that would also have been really cool too yeah it might have i don't know it's like uh, they would have had to remove though the uh the 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 scene where he's on the computer kind of a bit further forward through the film because when that's uh, because you know in in the in the well, I mean, we'll move on to that in a minute but uh, um so we've we've had that and we have the dinner scene with the uh, mirage and mr incredible and then basically it's uh, it looks like you know uh, um, bob parr is uh, st- putting on a uh, you know a, a facade of like he's uh, still working in insurance areas and he's working up he's rolling up in the company so uh yeah and yeah. also um uh, eventually his um his superhero suit starts to wane down and it has like a huge hole by the shoulder and so he decides to call edna mode who designs all the superhero costumes back in the day 
Mm-hmm. And then he starts visiting her. She has she's really small and she has like a lot of personality and she's voiced by Brad Bird himself. Uh, Brad and- Bird is brilliant as Edna. I love this character. I really do. Like, you yeah, know, she, she's too. this tiny. You, know, you want to know something? I just saw Edna a few days ago in like a fashion magazine. <laughs> How often amazing. can you say that? Oh, that's amazing. But here's another thing as well. Like, you have Edna mode. She is this massively smaller than Every other super in the show, uh, in the movie, and uh, she, everybody is terrified of her, and like, and it's based all on her personality alone, and that's what's so gr- that, that's what I love about characters when their personalities alone uh, control what goes on in uh, in like bigger, mightier characters, and like, as you know, when when that's happening, like, you know, you're looking at somebody who you know you want to pay attention to on the screen. And uh, that's what, you know, that's why, you know, many people like quote, you know, Edna when they say no capes and things like that, you know, it's <laughs> yes, like, you know, no it's, yeah, exactly. it's, uh, oh, it's, it's brilliant. And so, uh, so, uh, he gets the suit repaired and, uh, and then Edna offers to give him a, a brand new suit. And, uh, so, and that's, and they ends up doing that. And, uh, so that's, uh, he goes from the, uh, the blue, the black and, uh, the black and blue suit to the uh the iconic red suit that we were introduced to at the very beginning of all of this so uh, yeah and that's the suit that we first see in the teaser trailer um i wasn't sure if maybe um you know they they thought from the very beginning that you know he was gonna have um the blue suit or the red suit so yeah now we're more familiar with the red suit that he wears uh throughout the majority of the movie yeah it's kind of funny though because it's like you know it would be interesting to see if they did actually start off with the red suit and then they moved on to like you know maybe the the the, the blue you know the kind of like the blue and black suit and uh, they kind of did like a whole like you know uh, kind of bit like a batman beyond kind of like deal you know like uh, you know in the batman beyond obviously he goes from like from uh gray to black to like you know black to red in Batman Beyond, yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, I, think, I guess it it would be nice if they had like kind of like that kind of thing going on, but uh, I guess they went with this direction anyway. So, um, uh, if, um, are we to the part where um, Helen starts to get suspicious of uh, what's going yeah, on? Yeah. So, um, Helen is uh, calling Bob's um, job office and wondering about where he's at. She wants no more information because she got very little of it uh, with the hotel phone number that she was given. Mm-hmm. And um, they were telling her that um, Bob was no longer working for them for months, actually. And then she gets really concerned about what's going on. Where's my husband? And so uh, then she calls Edna because, um, you know, he and her had a uh, history together and maybe she would know something. And she does. Not only did she invite um well, know, what, what gives us suspicion uh, is the super. And- keep in mind what what poked her suspicion to begin with was the super suit because she knows that it's actually been repaired. And uh, the only right, way that exactly. she could... Like, for example, like the stitching is a different color. It's a yeah. lighter blue than a regular blue that we've seen. Yeah. And so that's what makes uh, uh, points Helen in the direction of Edna, because the only person who knows how to patch a super suit is, uh, is Edna. And so, uh, right. that's something. And so and, uh, while she visits Edna, uh, Edna's showing off all of the new suits that she made for her, for Jack, Jack, Violet, and for Dash. And yeah. she's like really shocked about this. Like, hey, we retired as superheroes. Why are you making us all these suits? And then Edna surprises, like, you don't know where your husband is. 
Yeah. And then, you know, he put, she put in like a tracking device on him, yeah. on his suit. And then when she finds out, she's really devastated. Yeah. Do, do you know what, what annoys me in this kind of like in this segment of the movie? That's uh, like Helen, you know, does not like the idea that uh, she's crazy. She's crazy all the suits, but she takes them anyway. I mean, what what what's the motivation to take the suit? Take you know, uh, Violet and Dash's suit. I don't understand why she did that. I mean, wouldn't you think you keep them? I don't Edna? know. Maybe Edna forced her to take it. It's like you take suits. You take yeah. suits. I made them. You take suits. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she I, thought I that, that they were actually superheroes, that they yeah. never retired. And maybe Helen was like so frightened of Edna that she didn't want to disappoint her, so she had to take the suits anyway. Maybe. I felt there was a scene missing there a little bit. And maybe it was cut for time. I don't yeah, know yeah, that, I, I, I definitely do agree. Yeah. So um, we get to the point where uh, actually there is a, a character that's been cut in this film, and that was, uh, oh, what was his name? Well, and we even, we even blank out on his name. Uh, um, Gazer Beam? Uh, no, not Gazer Beam. It was uh, the guy who flies uh, um, Helen to her missions because obviously, uh, oh he yeah, yeah, to go yeah. And can't fly. Um, so yeah, you're uh, right. Uh, he's the one that offered uh, Helen the plane so that she can be able to go over to the island where Bob is at. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I completely blank on his name. So put it in the comment section below if you remember who it is. But uh, um, we. Um, so they they cut the character. Yeah, she does. He does get some lines, but uh, and I'm actually kind of glad he he was kind of cut out because like he was supposed to die like in the plane crash, in that and uh, but um, you know they they haven't given enough screen time for us to even care about him. So it's like you know it'll be like uh, if he like appeared like you know here and there in the movie and like uh, you know and, and they gave him like something to kind of like make him really warm and fuzzy with us like you know making like uh, you know uh, you know make us kind of care about him then uh, maybe if they did have him in the movie and then killed him maybe we would have cared but yeah I'm really glad they kind of cut his time to like you know only like two sentences. And then had uh, yeah, that know. is true. I mean, what what kind of I mean, we wouldn't have probably known about him, and uh, you know, maybe like for like a couple of minutes, and even then, you know, it would have been him and Helen, and then she would eventually find out that Dash and Violet had stowed away on the plane. So yeah, I, I'm sure that maybe we would have had like a few minutes with them talking and res um like looking back on their um past but yeah it, it definitely was cut for time and I, I guess um it is a good thing that it did because then we wouldn't get more on dashes or violet's uh backstory and development as superheroes throughout the movie mm -hmm. so uh helen and, and uh, dash and violet are all on the plane the plane gets shot down by fred by syndrome and uh, then that's the point where mr incredible thinks that they're all dead uh, after that because yeah. he hears everything that happens and it's to the point where he grabs um uh, mirage and threatens to kill her and uh syndrome says okay show me and uh even at that point mr incredible can't do it and lets her go and uh, it's like, yeah uh, in yeah. fact uh, we've we've uh, neglected to talk about that um, out of the Pixar movies, um, this one is a lot more serious than the others. Yeah. I mean, sure, Finding Nemo was also another one that does have a good balance of jokes and humor, but this one, it doesn't talk down to kids. This one, it treats it very seriously, um, especially with a scene that we'll talk about a little later. But, um, you know, we have the scene where um, Bob and Helen are arguing about how he missed out on his, um, you know, on Dash's fourth grade graduation and saying like oh that's not a graduation it's just a participation award or something mm -hmm. and you know, uh, new ways to celebrate mediocrity <laughs> yeah exactly it's 
you know, it definitely is um, what made Pixar a major standout back then because, you know, Disney, they always talk about, like, if if you wish really hard, your dreams will come true and stuff like that. But here, it shows us that life isn't perfect. It can get really dramatic. It can get really serious. Things don't always go your way. But it's okay because that's how life is. And I think that's what made Pixar really strong back then. Mm-hmm. So um, let me just, um, um, I, I, I say, I had a thought in my head and then all of a sudden it's just gone. But uh, so, I mean, we have um, um, we, we have the moment where uh, Mr. Incredible has his really dark moments and uh, then obviously he can't go through with it. And it, it is the I like this scene where uh, Syndrome is saying, hey, look, I was just putting on a, a show for uh you know and he wasn't actually going to do it i was playing you know i was playing on his uh on his emotions and then his, uh you know uh, mirage just snaps him and says next time you do that bet your own life and uh, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah that was a that was a nice rebuttal i thought to uh to syndrome and uh, i thought he made uh, yeah syndrome her... actually has some really good lines when he gets really really serious mm-hmm so, uh, um, we get to the point where, um, I mean, there was an important scene on the plane that we did actually miss, and that was uh, when uh, Helen put too much pressure on Violet, and she, he, she couldn't put, she couldn't like, make a, a big enough force field, basically, to protect them from the missiles. And uh, then you get this really uh, very somber moment between uh, Violet and, and uh, Elastigirl, you know, between uh, you know, the mom and daughter, that, you know, she felt like she demanded too much from, uh, from Violet uh, too quickly. And uh, then that's at the point where you I mean, see... in a sense, in a sense, she kind of did because, yeah. um, you know, with Dash, it makes a lot of sense that you know he would be natural with his powers because he's not afraid to showcase it. But somebody like Violet, who was incredibly shy and is kind of ashamed of her superpowers because she feels like she's not like everybody else, it makes a lot of sense why she didn't get as much training with her force fields compared to Dash, where he just runs really fast a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I like this scene because it basically brings uh you know uh you know this is gonna be just gonna kind of this is gonna be interesting like in the second film is violet gonna have a superhero name because you know uh oh. can, can she really be i mean i guess they can maybe they could call her ultraviolet maybe and oh uh, that'd be nice yeah maybe um dash uh i don't think he really needs too much of a superhero name but no. yeah it would be really nice if maybe uh violet could get a superhero name absolutely and i also love the scene in which when um when helen is talking to her kids saying like you know the, you know those guys um on the tv shows that you used to watch where you know they were the bad guys and stuff like these will like they're not like those they will kill you even if you're little kids so you have to yeah. be really careful and she's talking to them like a mother would She's telling them you have to stay strong and you have to protect yourselves because those are those people out there. They're not going to take it easy on you because you're little kids. They're going to kill you. That's that's a great speech, actually, from uh, from from Helen. And again, you know, like you were saying before, it's not talking down to kids. It's basically saying it's, it's showing a realistic scenario. Like you know, these bad guys are dangerous. They will kill you. This is not like in a, a Saturday morning cartoon show. It's like you know, it's uh, right. It's, it's, exactly. That, that and, was and that's that was brilliant. Another that's another great scene, and, and especially when she's talking to Violet about how, you, you know, she apologizes for pushing her too much, and that when uh, don't push yourself if you're not ready to showcase your powers. 
you're, you haven't fully developed them yet. And when you do, then you'll know. And yeah. that's another great scene because as superheroes, we're always pressured um, into expecting like, oh, they're superheroes. They're supposed to save people. They're supposed to be great. But maybe sometimes there are cases in which a superhero doesn't fully develop their powers until uh, they're ready or they get more training from it. Danny Phantom, for example, in which when he starts developing his powers, it becomes really awkward for him. Like his pants start falling down. He um, doesn't know how to fully fight off the bad guys when they come through the ghost world. It took until like a couple of seasons in which he develops more powers and he gets a full grasp on the ghost form um, so there's a great example on that. And you could also argue about a couple of other things, Sky High, My Hero Academia, in which they also had to deal with no powers. And then eventually they would get powers and they tried to, um, you know, strengthen themselves compared to like the main uh, superheroes who do have powers and they are much more stronger than the main protagonist. Mm hmm. So, um, um, Elastigirl infiltrates the base, and uh, she actually sees... Uh, you know, I like how they basically do this montage of basically showing what's going on in the base. So, you can see, like, the giant rocket, like, uh, what's going on there. And uh, then, on, on side of that, you have... Um, uh, you you also have, uh, you know, Dash and... Uh, and and Viola, you know, Viola trying to basically get hold of her powers, and uh, you can see that she's actually put her hair back as well, so you can see that she's uh, becoming a lot more, she's coming out of her shell quite a lot more, and uh, then you have Dash who basically just, you know, he's uh, he thinks he's there for like some kind of vacation or something like that, and he's like, he's playing all that up, and uh, that's really enjoyable to watch. So, you know, yeah. isn't this the great thing about this movie? Every single character, you're interested in what's going on with them. Like, you know, even the part where I, I'm even saying that I want some more character development from Rick Dicker. It's like, you know, it's just, it's, uh, everyone here yeah, feels and, like and they're relevant. Yeah, and that's the reason why we want more character interactions, because they're so interesting to begin with. Mm -hmm. So, um, we get we get to the point where, um, we get to the point where um, Helen finally finds Mr. Incredible, or, you know, Mirage goes to Mr. Incredible's cell, and he lets he lets him out. And then it looks like Mr. Incredible is actually going to kill <laughs> kill Mirage, you know, after letting him go. And so, but then she tells him before she gets choked out that uh, they survived the crash. And uh, then we get the very awkward moments of him hugging her and then Helen finding them basically together. So, which she was suspecting. Yeah, that, so, yeah. and also another thing that I must say is that both of them, um, they both have really cool stealth scenes, like Mr. Incredible trying to look through the blueprints, and Mrs. In and you know, and uh, Elastic Girl trying to find Mr. Incredible. Like, you know, she has like these really cool stealth scenes where she kind of like twists her body around, and um, you know, she's like trying to get the keys and trying to open through the doors. So. And then eventually when she does find uh, Mr. Incredible hugging Mirage and it's really awkward. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say um, uh, Elastigirl's uh, infiltration is probably more stealthy than uh, uh, Mr. Incredible's was, even though she was caught a couple of times. Because if you notice that, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Incredible was like throwing stuff at people while he was trying to get in. So mm -hmm. in a way, he wasn't really that stealthy. Uh, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, so. it's kind of like Solid Snake if he was like shooting the tranquilizer um, darts into the people so they could fall asleep. <laughs> uh, in this case, it's Mr. Incredible throwing coconuts far away <laughs> and them getting knocked out. Yeah. Shake your coconuts, coconuts. Oh, well, I'll remind you of Junior Senior, but uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so he gets to that point and then uh, 
you know, we get this kind of you know old married couple kind of like arguing between uh, Mister Incredible and uh, an Elastic Girl, and like uh, you know the fact that they you know she says she's saying about how you know she like you know he's lied to her and stuff like that, and, uh, and you know he's like he's just relieved that they're just alive and stuff, and uh, then um, he, um, they trigger off. Uh, sorry, um, Violet and Josh then trigger off the. Uh, uh, the alerts on the island, and then they're being chased. And th this whole scene is brilliant, I think. You know, with uh, Violet, you know, having to use her powers to like hide away and uh, sneak up on guards, and you got Dash having to like run like a million miles an hour to get away from like these, uh, you know, these um, like, like blender kind of like you know um, devices, like you know these ships that like you know are, like uh, you know cutting down trees and like you know slicing up things and stuff like that. And then there's the bit where you know they get to the water, and then uh, you wonder what's going to happen, and you realize that Dash can run. Water, which is uh, which I thought was yeah. which is a great reveal. I thought I thought that was pretty brilliant. And then there's also the bit where he has the uh, the you know the, the fight scene with one of the guards, where he can actually quickly dodge guards and like you know be able to like put in like punches of his own. And like uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's that's pretty ballsy for like you know something for like Disney because uh, how much uh, I mean obviously it's kind of like it's kind of comedic violence but in a way it is like you know how many times have we seen you know Disney films where you know where kids are like randomly you know rapidly punching other guys. If you think about it, so, um, so. none, no, absolutely yeah. none whatsoever. So that stands out. So that's really cool. And eventually, then they all come together, and uh, I really hate when they do this because they uh, they showed like um, like all the individual like powers and like individual what they can do, but then they really cut. Sh you know, like you know when they get into the part where they're all like together and like they're all like fighting like all the uh, all the guards and stuff like that, and then Syndrome just comes in and stops the whole thing. Like, you know, it's like, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, be honest, I was actually kind of disappointed at that. Like, you know, I would have like yeah, felt that, Exactly, because we didn't get enough time for them to fight as a family until much later on. But then Zinderman's like, whoa, whoa, whoa time whoa. out. And then he finds out that, uh, you know, alongside with Mr. Incredible is Elastigirl and they have kids or as Syndrome says, and got busy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, and so yeah, it's, I, I found that bit dis. I think that's the only you know negative I would say about this film is like you know why? I mean, I would have let it go on for a, at least a little bit longer and let everyone kind of like you know you know absorb it a little bit more, and then you have syndrome come in and stop it all. It's like uh, I don't think there was enough to. I think there was enough time to kind of appreciate it, and that kind of I thought that disappointed me a little bit. Really, like you just cut it off at that point. And so, because you know, yeah, uh, I, I guess maybe they were running out of time. Maybe. So they're all locked up now, and uh, Syndrome does the monologue of basically saying that uh, he's going to be the superhero that saves the day from the Omnidroid because the Omnidroid is going to get launched at the city, and he's going to go in there and uh, basically pretend to be a superhero and save them all. And uh, throughout this time, he actually, uh, he, he, you know, Mr. Incredible uh, finds out that he's actually killed all the super. I don't know. He's like in that whole montage where he, like he's looking through the computer and you realize all these superheroes have died like you know fighting these omni droids and like it makes me wonder like has the basically are all the supers now dead and the only supers now that exist in this whole thing is now just either frozone mr incredible and his family 
thinking about? You know, that would be an interesting question. I'm sh- I'm sure that the sequel will bring it up, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, maybe it was a chance in which maybe there are a few superheroes that um, are not found, or you're right, maybe most of them have died. Yeah, and surely that you know, I'm really just thinking. So you know, they're right here. surely they might. You know, if these superheroes are there, I mean, like surely they must not. They exist within the world. Surely there must be like other superheroes as well, like across the globe. Like, you know, if sure. you think about it. So, I don't know. It's like, uh, it'll be very interesting. I, I would like to see The Incredibles 2 address that. Like, what is the status of superheroes? Are supers back now? Like, are they all, are they all like, uh, are new superheroes coming out, you know, at the same time as The Incredibles? Yeah, exactly. Are? Because um, isn't the sequel supposed to take place, like, immediately after the first one where we get to see the fight with the Mole Man? It looks like so, yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, that's going to create a massive continuity error for the video game. If that's the case, because if you notice, like, the, the, there was the there was <laughs> that's a, right because the video game actually continued off from off. The, the, from the the ending of the movie. You're right. Yeah, and uh, and like uh, I really hope that they're not going to base it on the video game because you know the video game was basically just them fighting. I, the I seriously doubt it. I mean, trust me. If if we had to wait almost 15 years and they were going to just take the game straight from the video game, I'm sure that they would have been like really disappointed. Yeah. So uh, hey, let's uh, let's see where they go from there. But anyway, going back to this, um, so the Omnidroid is launched to the city. It's uh, destroyed, you know, basically it's wreaking havoc uh, across the whole place. And uh, basically uh, Syndrome is going to come in and save the day, uh, you know, and uh, pretending to be a superhero and uh, stop the Omnidroid. Only that it doesn't go so well and because uh, it, it, uh, it's, a, again, at the end of the day, it's a learning robot. So it learns that the remote control that uh, Syndrome has over the Omnidroid is its weakness. And it learns basically to shoot it off and basically, you know, you know, elim- you know, eliminate syndrome. So, but he doesn't die in, in in this bit. He basically just gets knocked out, and basically he's out for the, the whole that whole scene. So, uh, I thought it was a- yeah. Uh- and then of course we have uh, the infamous scene that people still talk about to this day. That we have, um, you know, Frozone looking for his super suit, and he can't find it because his wife put it somewhere else, and they were gonna go out on a date for dinner, and then she was saying like. I don't know where I put it. I'm your wife. I'm the best thing that you'll ever have. And <laughs> You're he's trying to find woman. the super suit. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. It's like, honey, where is my super suit? He's like, I put it away. Where? <laughs> and like the whole place is just getting destroyed. And like, uh, oh, it's, uh, oh, it's brilliant. And, uh, mind you, it's like, uh, I'm really surprised that uh, he quickly immediately went to, you know, his super suit because it's like, uh, you know, I wonder what, you know, because uh, I thought actually you know, happens. Fra- yeah, actually happens in that one. Yeah, so um, uh, that whole thing is taking the whole thing is taking place, and uh, so and then uh, the Incredibles do finally get out with the help of uh, of Mirage, and uh, and also actually, I'll tell you what, there is an important bit before that scene, and that's when uh, uh, Mister Incredible monologues about how selfish he's been and realizes how stupid he's been and how he's missed out on everyone. You know, missed out on his family basically. Uh, you know, so uh, that that was a that was a good scene, and uh, then uh, during that whole time, uh, Violet manages to uh, free herself uh, using her uh, her force field powers and uh, be able to free her entire family as well. So uh, then Mirage mm-hmm. gets them on the rocket, and then we obviously get uh, that's how they get from there to uh, uh, to that. And uh, they do have some really funny family scenes. So like you have like uh, you know when they get in the uh, in the van, and they're basically they're trying to drive to the location, and then they're arguing about uh, what exit to take when they're driving down the highway and stuff. And so they, you know, they they throw in like the really cool comedic, you know, they make you know, these amazingly comedic scenes with that as well. So there's that, and then uh, yeah, and then and then of course it gets like really oh. 
Uh, uh, oh. Yeah. No, no, go on. Sorry. Oh, okay. So um, we get to the point where um, you know uh, Mr. Incredible is going to fight him on their own, and like he, you know, then they have another tiff over like that, and then Mr. Incredible basically just breaks the whole thing up and says, "Look, uh, Helen, I can't lose you again." And uh, he says, "I'm not, you know, I'm not strong enough to lose you." And that's a nice romantic moment for that. So yeah, it is very romantic. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, and um, also, uh, I, have you seen the um, the most recent episode of Film Theory that MadPad did discussing about who was the stronger Incredible? Um, well, uh, no, actually, I've not seen that yet. Um, what was his conclusion? Well, um, it, it had to do with, like, um, calculating, um, you know, basically, like, uh, newtons and, uh, you know, the strength of um, each of the situations that they were going at through the movie. And for a while, um, you know, his deduction would have been violence because she was able to hold the pressure from the robot when they were almost about to crush them. And, um, you know, Mr. Incredible could barely like hold on to the train from the beginning of the movie. And then he does, um, then he finally comes to the conclusion that no, Mr. Incredible is actually the strongest because he was able to lift it. And the reason why is because he saw that his kids were in danger and that was able to give him the strength so that he could be able to lift the, um, the robot out of the way when they were almost about to be crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually brings up a really interesting example about how in, in some cases, you know, there's been like various news articles about like people lifting up cars if their kids are in trouble, like if they're under the car and they're stuck or if they're trapped in the car when the car's on fire and they can't get out and they're able to like um, do like incredibly strong things that they wouldn't do normally. It's possibly due to the um, the adrenaline that is like pumping into your body and it's like um, a strong intuition to save your family in this time of crisis. And, you know, we, we see Mr. Incredible talking about like how he's not strong enough and that he wants to protect his family. He's able to become at his absolute strongest because he's with his family. He has a reason to, to fight off against this robot other than just, he needs to save the, um, the city from, you know, for destruction. He's doing it alongside with his family and that's where he becomes his absolute strongest. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's, um, uh, yeah, actually, I never really thought about that, actually. So it's I like, didn't think yeah. about that either, so kudos to MatPat. Well, kudos indeed. So we get the fight scene, and uh, so you get Elastigirl uh, taking out his gun by, uh, you know, slingshotting a uh, manhole cover, and uh, then you get Frozone coming in, and uh, he, he comes in. I, I love, I do like this scene. And even though it is a bit uh, like, you know, the um, they don't really, they, they kind of like do their own individual things to kind of like defeat the Omnidroid. So you get, uh, uh, you know, Dash, you know, r- running away with a remote control and, uh, you know, as the Omnidroid trying to chase after him and stuff. And then you get Frozone coming in with that. And uh, you see uh, Mr. Incredible getting thrown around again and uh, basically being like a human wrecking ball, smashing things up. And uh, mm-hmm. so, and then they realize the only, the only thing that's strong enough to uh, basically destroy is, is itself. So they managed to get one of its claws off, uh, launch it into the machine, and uh, then basically that destroys the robot. And uh, and uh, then you get uh, there is um, I, I completely forget their names, but uh, they recently passed. They, they actually tell you what the uh, the oh um, you're, you're, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about uh, Frank and Ollie, right? Yeah, Frank and Ollie, because they had like a bit where no school like the old school, and uh, you know then they uh, yeah, exactly. passed away. Yeah, very... They were for those who don't know, Frank and Ollie were two of the nine old men who worked in Walt Disney World from like the 30s. They were responsible for um, helping with the likes of like Sleeping Beauty and uh, Robin Hood and um cinderella and there's this really amazing documentary called frank and ollie 
that I highly recommend that you guys check out. I saw it in uh, independent theater and it's great. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. And um, it's a really fascinating story about how they lived next door to each other as neighbors and how they were really close friends and about how, um, you know, they were a part of Disney's uh, legacy. And um, also they did appear in another Brad Bird movie. They were the, the two old men that, um, uh, that uh, Kent was uh, interrogating in the Iron Giants when, you know, they were questioning about, um, you know, what was the destruction? And then one of the old men said, it was a giant metal man. And then mm -hmm. Kent is asking about like, is there somewhere I can get a telephone? And then they pointed the direction of Hogarth's house. So yeah, yeah this is, uh, yeah, I guess Brad Bird was like really close to Frank and Ollie and he decided to have them as another cameo. Yep. So um, the, uh, the 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 battle is over, and uh, then Rick Decker drives them all home, and uh, he says these they frozen all going for Syndrome's assets, and they put in a warrant out for his arrest. And so Elastigirl's listening to her messages, and then uh, they realize that uh, the uh, the the babysitter that they had sitting for Jack Jack uh, has told them that uh, another babysitter is there, even though that uh, Helen said that uh, he she didn't ask for another one, and so. They uh, fear the worst. They go into the house and they realize that Syndrome has captured Jack-Jack and uh, the um, yes. freeze them before they can do anything about it. I love the camera work in this because you're actually running into the house with the Incredibles when this, ha when, when yes. this whole thing and, happens. And you're wondering like what's, what's going on and then eventually um, Syndrome immediately freezes them and he's just holding the baby and he says he's going to take him away and raise him to be a villain and to you know, teach him a whole bunch of lessons. And um, it's actually a really great scene. And if you're wondering um, of what happened between the babysitter and Jack-Jack, there is a pic, um, an incredible short that I think comes along in the DVD where you can actually see Jack-Jack um, causing a lot of trouble with the babysitter. And then eventually Syndrome coming along and then, um, you know, he says, um, I'm the new babysitter. Hmm. And then She's like, oh, well, I don't think you're a babysitter. You don't look like a, a babysitter. And then he says, oh, the S stands for sitter. I would put BS in there, but that <laughs> would be the wrong indication. I swear, that, that must have been improv. I think yeah, that, that line is like, you know, it's like, yeah, there's, uh, there's part of me that believes that was probably improv when, when they put that, that in. That would be surprised. Like, yeah, that would be great. So uh, you get Jack-Jack attack in that in that as well. And uh, that's that whole, that whole thing. So um, then we see the death of Syndrome, and uh, it uh, comes as... Uh, I think this part, they're actually not very aware that Jack-Jack actually has any powers, and so it, like, it's all taking place up in the air, and they don't know what's going on. So, uh, and so No, they don't. Ja they just see that um, Syndrome is like acting crazy, <laughs> and then we have Jack-Jack... Uh, um, you know, setting himself on fire, turning into metal, turning Hulk. into like this crazy little red monster. Hulking out. And he starts attacking. Yeah, he starts freaking out. And they're, they have no idea what's going on. And uh, they're like curious. It's like, you know, what, what do we do? Um, you know, you have to, um, you know, try to get syndrome. But then uh, Mr. Incredible's like, no, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt Jack Jack if I do that. So, um, you know, they decide that they're going to throw Elastigirl up into the air and. Um, then, uh, we have a syndrome like almost falling and then like crashing and then eventually, uh, Jack, Jack falls down and then, um, Elastigirl catches him and then she forms like a parachute and then they start gently going down and there's like, this huge explosion. Yeah. And then when they finally landed, uh, then, 
um, all the debris runs down and like uh, then yeah. it's, uh, after all the smoke and dust is cleared it's realized that uh, um, Violet has finally made the, uh, the the force field that she was supposed to make in yeah, the yeah exactly uh, in there, right? And then you have the little kid who saw Mr. Incredible in the beginning of the movie when he picked up the car, mm-hmm. and uh, then he says, like, that was totally, totally wicked! wicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, and that was a good way to, to finish off. And so, uh, yeah. And and then, um, so then we get to see, you know, Dash is finally getting to be able to do like do sports and everything. And uh, then Violet uh, starts to come out of her shell and uh, and asks uh, Tony uh, Reginger for uh, for a date. And uh, interesting to see if Tony Reginger comes back in in the second no, film. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. And uh, but uh, I mean. Th- th- Here's the thing about this, though. It's like, you know, in the second film, like, you know, she's going to be outgoing. She's going to, like, uh, have, like, a very, you know, very bubbly personality. There's kind of a worry that kind of, like, um, Violet's going to remind a lot of... I mean, keep this in mind. The Incredibles 1 and The Incredibles 2 are going to be very... Uh, are separated quite a lot by time. And what's the... And there's the one character that's come across... Uh, that's come out recently that I feel is somewhat going to be kind of similar to Violet in uh, The Incredibles 2. And you know who that person is? Oh. Miraculous Ladybug. Oh. There's probably me that thing is like it's going to be like, wait a minute, you know, that's Violet. She kind of reminds me of Miraculous Ladybug. So uh, I hope yeah, they do yeah, something. You're yeah, right. Absolutely. I hope, I hope they do something that kind of like makes her stand out from 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 her. So uh, I think uh, that's going to be something they're going to have to uh, to do because uh, I mean I don't know if they can really put Violet back in the box. You know, if you, if if you know, so to speak. Yeah, they can't no, really put her that, back that in the shell, be really. Good because then there'll be a step backward with her character. I know, and I like, said so they can't really do that, really. So I don't know. Maybe no, she... they can't because then it would be like it'll be taking a side step towards Violet's character. Yeah, and that would pretty much diminish the whole point of the first movie. Maybe, she, um, maybe, maybe I'm sure that they'll figure something out. I mean, we do remember that this movie is mostly about Helen's part of. Um, Helen's perspective so I'm sure that maybe we will get some focus on Violet and Dash but I'm sure that maybe as time goes on maybe we will um, you know learn a little bit more about Violet and how her um, personality has changed over the course of um, maybe from the first to the second movie and we also have to understand like similar to Harold the Jungle movie and I know that there is a lot of people who have high expectations for this if there is something really, really disappointing that you would have liked to see, just remember that this movie did take a long time to come out and it's not going to be what you expected it to be. And if it isn't, then I mean, if it doesn't turn out the way that you wanted it to be, then that's okay. Yeah, I just think that, um, you know, um, I'm hoping that The Incredibles 2 is going mean, to, in regards to, it'll mind you, go back into Violet. So, you know, I don't know, maybe she goes through a goth phase. Maybe, maybe, that, yeah. maybe that's how they get around it. She goes through a cough. Okay, oh, anyway. So they end the, the film with uh, a, a classic underminer um, uh, line, which uh, I believe, because uh, I believe they were doing this whole thing where, uh, oh, what's the name of the... Uh, uh, the Oh, yeah. yeah John, John Ratzenberger, he, like, he would always get like the last line in a Pixar film. And so uh, this mm-hmm. is another one of those films where he gets, he gets the last line. So... Uh, yeah, yeah. In this case, put... he's the new villain. He's the 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 moth, the the, the mole man. And then we have um, the Incredibles putting on their masks and their suits. And then Mister Incredible pulls out his shirt, and you see the um, you know the logo. And then it cuts into the credits, where it's like very superhero esque, like with the booming music and the silhouettes of the characters. 
it's really well done, absolutely. Yeah. Another movie started actually doing that style right after that, because if you notice, uh, definitely Deadpool did that type of style, where, you know, like, uh, they did, like, the whole, like, uh, you know... Uh, uh, montage with that, and I think uh, trying to think of other, you know, various other superhero movies kind of like did that afterwards, you know, where they did like mm-hmm. the flashy, uh, you know, uh, flashy credits and then moved into like the, you know, the main credits after that. So, uh, you know, yes. uh, the only one thing I probably would have liked is that. Uh, oh, so imagine they did that with The Incredibles 2. You know, every after, after the end of every Marvel film, they kind of like do like a teaser for what the next movie's going to be. Like, imagine, yes. imagine they did that with The Incredibles 2. And like you know, they oh get man, the if, if we would like to sit down and like watch the movie, wait like two or three, five minutes, and then The Incredibles three, and then maybe we'd have like this huge gathering of like the remaining supers, and maybe there'll be like, this this gig- this be this huge villain who comes out of the limelight, maybe like working on this huge plan for like decades, and then he's gonna finally become like the main super villain, and mm-hmm. maybe like it takes all the supers. Who are remaining to like fight off against him and save the world? That would be so amazing. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. So uh, that's the end of the Incredibles, and uh, so um, we have to. T- I mean, I do want to talk about the box office because I do believe that it did incredibly well, and uh, you know, it, it goes back to when I said about the um, about the um, you know why if they did not make a sequel right after that and so you had um, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes and uh, the critical response was was brilliant in that regard and uh, despite the concerns that the uh, the film would do an underwhelming result the film domestic gross was get this 70 million four hundred and seventy six thousand six hundred and twenty three dollars wow and it went in, that was under, that was on like over seven thousand screens and three thousand theaters like you know, so it was That's like crazy. That, 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 and so basically, this 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 movie was doing an average of seventeen thousand dollars per screen, basically you know per, per theater and nine thousand dollars per screen. It was a big success, to say the least. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the only way that that was broken was when Toy Story three came out and did one hundred and ten million dollars at the box office. Right. So like, you know, but was... you could argue that Toy Story three was a sequel. And so I would think that maybe for the longest time when it came to like, you know, financially uh, an original Pixar movie, I'm sure that that would have been like the most amount of money made in a long time until maybe like another movie came along. Mm-hmm. And on top of that as well, um, the in the Academy Awards category, uh, The Incredibles won an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. And uh, I think there was, was this at the time when, uh, um, oh, what's his name, Jack Black uh, did his funny joke where he said that, uh, you know, every time uh, he wants to basically make some money, he basically does a Kung Fu Panda movie and then uh, takes all the money that he makes and bets it all on Disney at the Academy Awards. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That would, that would be shocking. This would have probably been like, either shortly around the same time or before or after he was doing Shark Tale. Yeah. So um, it beat uh, two DreamWorks films, and guess what these films were? It was Shrek 2 and, uh, oh my God, Shark Tale was nominated for an Academy Award? Really? Yeah, can you believe it? And you have to understand that, I mean, sure, Shark Tale was, it was like, it had mixed reviews, but it did make a lot of money. Well, and this was... was like, oh, this is this is DreamWorks' equivalent of Finding Nemo. Except it's smart, snarky, and it has Will Smith in it. But yeah, now a lot of people can see that it's a terrible, terrible movie. And even still to this day, I'm sure that people can debate on which is the worst DreamWorks movie. But a lot of people say that this is... It's it's a very dated movie as well, because what, it has like Christina Aguilera and... uh... 
What you call it? Yeah, like, Christina Aguilera. Uh, let's see. There's um, Renee Zellweger. There's Jack Black. There's uh, Will well, Smith. I won't like, go. When was the last time those names were relevant? Well, uh, Jack I mean, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you know, I mean, I know that we could argue about like you know they still do acting, but Will Smith was in Bright. I don't know. Jack Black's still relevant. I like to think. You know, it's like uh, you know, I still like. Yeah, well, yeah, but he hasn't like a he hasn't like you know became like a a main star uh, title in a movie in a while. Actually, yeah. I think that uh, he's in a. I think the most recent movie he's in, like, it's it's a more dramatic movie. You know, to kind of like sharpen his, um, you know, his dramatic chops. But for a lot of people, you know, I don't think that his. Um, his prime as an actor has reached this like at, at the the height since like the early to mid two thousands with like Shallow Hal and Tenacious D and yeah. Oh, um, well, uh, I remember he was uh, he was he was in the Muppets. I do remember that. So well, but, yeah, I reckon the Muppets. Yeah, is. yeah, that's true. And then you know, similar to Eddie Murphy, you know, a new generation of people would know about Jack Black until the Kung Fu Panda movies. Well, to be, to be fair, I think um, I think if we had to compare Jack Black and uh, and Eddie Murphy, I think uh, Jack Black I think has had a far more successful career. I think. Uh, oh yeah, than, absolutely. Yeah, Jack Black is far more <laughs> successful Eddie than Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy has appeared in films where he's actually lost money. I don't think that's ever happened to Jack Black. Uh, thinking about no, it, I don't so. think so. Yeah. Unless it was um, like an indie film or maybe a film that was like so bad that none of us even know about it. But yeah, for the most part, Jack Black hasn't bombed that badly yet. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, that that Anyways, can still happen. Uh, but anyway, but so that's yeah, and it's true. It can it's, it, it can still happen. Yeah. But yeah, it's a shame that there was never a sequel to The Incredibles until much later on. Because as we mentioned before, the following year we would have Cars, and Cars made a ton of money, and it had a lot of toys and action figures, which I'm actually questioning. Did was there a lot of like toys and action figures as much uh, for the Incredibles as compared to Cars? Because even you said well, so yourself when we were talking about um, Cars Three that if you try to look for a picture of Cars Three or any of the movies on Google, you can only see the toys. Well, the majority, the, 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 the majority of images that I was searching for for Cars were toys. Like you know that that's definitely right, so you, exactly. you can only tell why cars exist. But in regards to the Incredibles, I mean there was uh, there was like food deals, and then there was like they also had like uh, I mind you all uh, Pixar films kind of do this. You know they had like the whole uh, you know uh, broadband services that they did as well. Sure. And uh, then they yes. also had, they had McDonald's toys, and uh, but no, I don't think they had like any like um, you know massive you know. I mean, the only thing I could think of. Is that they had um, they had a they had a comic book deal with uh, Dark Horse, I, I remember. I oh, think. Nice. Oh no, sorry, DC Comics. And then of course, Dark oh DC, okay. DC, and yeah. then of course we had the video games. Yeah, and then we had the video games as well, which uh, you know were right. We had Rise of the Underminer, which was released on uh, all the uh, you know GameCube, Xbox, and PlayStation Two and Mac OS. Really, really, it was released on Mac. Okay, then <laughs> Mac, huh. Mac, Mac did have a game, would you believe? It was The Incredible Rise of the Underminer. <laughs> okay, then. And so, and then there was a Windows game called uh, The Incredibles When Danger Calls. So, uh, not to be confused okay. with not to be confused with the okay, so, so it did have a few bit of merchandise, but yeah. nowhere near as much as cars. No, and also there was Connect uh, games for Connect uh, Rush, the Disney Pixar adventure, and also they're on Disney Infinity as well. So, uh, right, they, right, they, yeah, they, 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 they have had a stay. I'll definitely say that. So people like you know they will be, and also their social media accounts have always always been active since the movie came out. So uh, like, yeah, that, exactly. That... So I think that uh, for the most part, I think out of all the 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 Pixar movies, The Incredibles has still stayed in relevancy. I think even more now than it was like a few years ago because. Um, you know, with the likes of superhero movies becoming extremely popular thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and um, the fact that. 
even with even with three Fantastic Four movies and like two or three animated series and maybe some comic books, The Incredibles still stands as like one of the best, if not the best, superhero family ever made. And there were so many copycats of it, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast with like the X's and a whole bunch of other cartoons that try to follow up into the same um, foreground as like a family of superheroes, secret agents, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, The, the Incredibles has still stayed relevant in pop culture and I, I'm really looking forward to the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, do I, do we even really need to score this? Because I think we're all just going to give it 10 anyway. So, uh. Yeah, we are. So, I mean, sure, there may be some little flaws here and there, uh, but no, this is great. I mean, we, uh, we also loved Ratatouille as well, but no, I I think that this is, uh, Brad Bird's, like, you know, his best movie that he did for Pixar. And, um, I'm really, again, I'm really looking forward to the sequel and they really have to step it up, especially since we've been waiting for a long time. It's very, it's, it's massively anticipated, I must say. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, yeah, I gotta be honest with you. I thought we were actually going to go through, I thought this was actually going to be the ending of Pix Mix, to be honest with you. I thought we were actually going to be incredible. So exactly, it's, it feels kind of weird though. Thank you to the random wheel that we actually yeah. got this, um, like almost toward the middle of Pix Mix. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, speaking well, that's the end of no, that's the end of another episode of Pixmix. So uh, anyway, we're going to look through the random wheel, and uh, it looks like uh, from the way our schedule is going at the moment, maybe the next episode is going to be released, maybe around about uh, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday. We'll have to see how it all plays out. But uh, anyway, uh, that's uh, I guess you can say that's how random Pixmix is. It just comes out whenever it wants. So uh, yeah, uh, th- Patricia, thanks very much for uh, coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And from myself, Aaron. And Patricia. Take care and bye-bye for now. See you later.